This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for Sports Talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Friday, March the 8th. Thanks for being with us, everybody. I'm your host, D.A. And overnight, it looked like that Antonio Brown would finally have a new home. All offseason, we've been wondering when and where the Steelers would move him to. And it appeared like the Buffalo Bills were closing in on acquiring the troubled wide receiver from Pittsburgh. However, at the 11th hour, the Bills pulled out, perhaps because Antonio Brown told them he did not want to play there. What was the reason this whole thing fell apart? Did A.B. hate the city of Buffalo? That was the worry in western New York. Let's listen in this morning from WGR 550 Radio in Buffalo with Howard and Jeremy. Somebody tweeted us earlier and said that, you know, he was upset because Brown is basically bashing Buffalo. He's not. This, this is not. He didn't. This is not. He doesn't want to live here. It's he doesn't want to play football here. Um, he doesn't think he can win a Super Bowl here. He doesn't think he's going to get his targets here. He's not going to be in a in a an exciting offense here. Um, so I, I don't. I, again, I I don't think it's the weather. I don't. Somebody called earlier and said our stadium's not that good. It's not the stadium. I doubt he's not coming here. It, he's not coming here because the visiting locker room isn't nice. No, and you might have some say it's, you know, a receiver wants to have his brand. Well, if you win, you get that. Hey, you're getting a brand new strength and weight facility, so yeah, whatever. Right. And then you got practice fields. No, honestly, if you're if you put yourself for everybody who's upset about Antonio Brown, okay? You put yourself in Antonio Brown's shoes. You're him, okay? And your agent calls you, or the, the Steelers call you and say, hey, we're trading you to Buffalo. What's your reaction? You are going, oh, oh God. God. And right. it's not about the city. You're going, oh, Well, it God. might be some. No, but, 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 the, the but, but your franchise first... is known for being a losing franchise for right. 20 years. Listen, I'm, 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 I'm saying it might be a small part of it, but mostly, especially if you're an NFL player that plays on Sunday night football. And He's have, not getting on Sunday night football here. 150 targets a year. Yeah. You know, you think about, uh oh. Like, for instance, if you or I got traded tomorrow. This is Stefan Gilmore saying, right? My friends never wanna, see me on national TV. Right. And it's because they don't win. Right. If you or I got traded, my first thought would be, what sports teams are there? My second thought would be, <laughs> is it nice? I wouldn't want to go to Carolina. Right. Because I don't want to go to the, those sports teams. I wouldn't want to go to Arizona. I mean, I'd love to live there, but my life is the sports of it. Mm-hmm. So I just don't want that. And if you're an NFL player, maybe you do want New York City. Whatever. I want to get back to this main point. What do we do with the Bills now? Mm-hmm. What do we do? I mean, how do you think about What do you think about them? All of a sudden, the team that says culture trumps strategy. Everything's on the table now. Everything's on the table. Short of, short of, 
a guy punching a woman in an elevator, you know what, right? I think we said that earlier. Everything in terms of, like Odell Beckham. Let's say someone would, would have called the show and said, hey, Jeremy, you know, there's some rumors the Giants are willing to move Odell Beckham. What about that? You probably would have shot it down and said, nah, you kidding me? He's not. a head case. Not. They don't want that guy. Right. Everything's, that's on the table now. Brandon Bean, call Dave Gettleman today. If you haven't already, call Dave Gettleman. What do you want for Odell Beckham? They tried to get Antonio Brown. What's the difference? Actually, Brown might, you might consider Brown worse than Odell Beckham. Brown walked out on his team. I think Beckham showed up for OTAs without his contract extension. Right. He's probably a lesser a lesser evil, if you will, than Antonio Brown. And Everything's why, on the table. Right, and they're not going to want to come here. I mean, think about Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham. The teams haven't been good for their, their entire lives, basically. <laughs> Beckham's younger, right? Yeah, right. The, the Bills haven't been good for their entire lives, right. His entire life, they've been bad. Yeah. So, I mean, he's 26 years old. He's born in 1992. I don't know. I don't want to... All right, who's the next receiver? It's just, I'm stuck. I'm st- We've said it a million times. I'm speechless. I'm stunned <laughs> that the Bills called to get Antonio Brown on their team. And we're, I, I have to imp- just, the next step is we're prepared to make him the highest paid receiver in football. You wouldn't even make the deal unless you thought that was going to happen. I don't see how AB can be choosy at this point in time. There are so few GMs that want to deal with Antonio Brown, especially for the asking price that the Steelers are apparently looking for. Antonio Brown firebombed everything in the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. He's also an undersized wide receiver who's already 30 years old, and perhaps you won't ever get the brilliant playmaking that we've seen the last couple of years again unless you're playing in an offense with weapons like the Steelers have and a quarterback like the Steelers have. And so who wants the headache that is Antonio Brown? If I'm A.B. or I'm Drew Rosenhaus, I'm telling A.B., recognize that you don't have many options here, and perhaps you might have to go to a place you originally did not want to go to. Your fault. From a Pittsburgh standpoint, where do the Steelers go from here, knowing that Friday was supposed to be the deadline to trade Antonio Brown, but apparently now the clock is ticking on that. Here's the Fan Morning Show, our daily look-in from 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. Does Brown hold all the cards right now, or does he have to buckle? It's apparent that they had something worked out with the the Bills earlier in the week. They wanted to field any final offers. That's why the, the idea of a deadline today was floated out there. They didn't get anything better. They tried to close it out with Buffalo. Everything was in place, and Antonio Brown was the one who blew it up. Well, let me so run this past... Could, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I okay. apologize. Let no, me, no, no, go Let ahead. me go run ahead. this past you and Jim. Is Jim back there yet? Uh, to, uh, yeah. Soon? Yeah. All right. So for yeah. me now, because I got a text from somebody sort of intimately involved in this, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, Art the second meeting with Antonio Brown in West Palm will end up being enormous in all of this. It shows the Steelers were willing to meet, get things done, and A.B. still balked. That's perfect Mm -hmm. evidence for when you present the case of someone who isn't conforming and someone who isn't living up to their contract and a perfect uh, example of why you can suspend him four games if, in fact, he falls back to the Steelers. Does that make sense to you guys? Absolutely. And and it makes sense now that, uh, again... People want to keep pointing to the fact that Antonio Brown really is control of this of this situation right now because he's the one that shut down the deal to Buffalo. 
That's fine. He can temporarily feel like he's got control of this situation. Ultimately, the, ne- the, the way Antonio Brown gets paid, and we all know that Antonio Brown needs to get paid because 500 bucks a cameo video isn't going to cut his lifestyle. Antonio Brown gets paid by playing ball with the Steelers, and I don't mean playing football on the field with them. I mean agreeing to be traded to somebody who will pay him. They don't want to pay him. They're, if it comes around to it later this summer, they will suspend him for not reporting and then for conduct detrimental to the team, and he will sit and he will not get yes. a dime so, uh, from the Yes, so what looks like Art Dutou was subservient in that meeting. He may have been crazy like a fox, Jim. Well, just to cover his bases, and you're right about that because if, um, you know, if A.B. refuses to play for the Steelers too, then then he's, you know, he's insubordinate and all that stuff. Uh, and you need to set, you know, you need to have that 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 precedent. Precedent's not the right word, but you know what I mean. You've got to get get the background set up. Um, but you know, it's a, and and Chris, you said that he that the Steelers have the Steelers don't have control over this, at least in terms of, of they've got control him. over the money, right? They do, but they don't have control over whether or, or of, of trading him now because AB's already said he won't report here. That's fine. AB can continue to sit around and not get paid. And we'll see how long that lasts. Correct. You're dead right about that, Chris. You're dead right about that because that's not like a guy that is, you know, is kind of been smart with his money, it appears on the surface, or someone mm-hmm. who can. This feels like a guy who needs that influx of cash every day to keep up with how AB has set a precedent to live. I mean, those Nike and Pizza Hut endorsements don't come to guys that don't play football. And, Cami, like I said, $500 cameo videos aren't going to pay the, the rent on whatever house he's living in, whether it's in Florida or, or California or Pittsburgh, wherever it may be, like, eventually the money's going to run out if it hasn't already. Well, those endorsements also don't come to guys who go get caught going 100 miles an hour. Yeah, that's part of it, too. Uh, they are guys that are accused of throwing stuff off a 14th-floor balcony. Um, you know, that, that, that affects his endorsements as well. This this is such it's uh, this whole thing is just unbelievable. Well, Jim, real quick too, uh, the same if, person reached out to me and said the Art Two meeting. It also, from a players' union standpoint, that wipes their legs out from underneath of them whenever they say, "Well, the Steelers can't suspend him." Well, we tried to meet in good faith with him. Well, there would still be a grievance filed, I would guess, on 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 his behalf, and I don't know how messy that would be. The thing is, AB is a bargain for another team because all the upfront money that the Steelers have paid him. And they're still going to owe him that two and a half million. It's not a bargain when he walks in and starts asking for more cash, though. Well, I know, but but it's just uh, he's already you know he's he's trying to he's he already got his bonus money, his upfront money. And now he's trying to get more too. What we've learned this off season is that there was some truth to the way that AB's frustrations came out about his Steelers organization. The fact that his general manager Kevin Colbert considered the team Ben Roethlisberger and then fifty-two kids under Ben that Ben has the wherewithal and the ability to criticize anybody, the leash to criticize anybody in the organization, including the general manager, definitely speaks to why A.B. is frustrated there. But ultimately what it comes down to is A.B. just wants a place where he can get paid. And he is only going to go to a place that pays him or sets himself up for getting paid. And the Steelers organization doesn't end up paying guys. We just saw what happened to Le'Veon Bell. And so, Antonio Brown, again, you don't have many suitors. Earlier this week, the Los Angeles Lakers lost again, taking themselves even farther out of a playoff spot. We learn now that the Lakers will limit LeBron's minutes because they know there's no hope on this season. But in this weird maelstrom of a season that's going south fast in L.A., 
LeBron is reaching career milestones, including passing Michael Jordan for fourth on the all-time points scored list. There's a guy that has coached against LeBron in four NBA Finals who also played alongside Michael Jordan. So how often does Steve Kerr think about Jordan versus LeBron historically? Here's Coach Kerr with Damon Bruce and Ray Ratto on 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. So, Steve, you of all people probably have the most history connected with with Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Like, you won titles with Jordan, you coached against LeBron in four straight finals, winning three of them, and and last night LeBron passed Michael Jordan. Can you, a man who knows both of them so well, uh, become nostalgic about that moment when, when you see that happen? Do you feel that there's some sort of passing of the torch, or, or are you still firmly in one camp, not the other? I, you know these guys very well. You know their tendencies, their skills, and you know we, we have certain media members who have staked their entire careers on telling you what one was or what the other isn't. I don't do that, but you are the best to compare and contrast the two. What do you do? Do you ever do that? Do you get lost in the... Jordan LeBron debate ever at all? I don't. I don't get lost in it, but I get, but I get asked about it quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I got asked about it a lot when I was in television, and you know, we had those discussions on the air sometimes. And my contention has always been that they're very different players, uh, playing in very different eras. Um, it, but you know, watching last night, watching uh, the highlight. Just a, a, a reminder of uh, the fact that we've we've lived in a in a pretty special era of basketball over the last thirty years to see those two guys come through and dominate the league the way they both have. So uh, they're both incredible in their own right, but but I don't really compare them because I, I think I've always felt LeBron is much more of a point forward, uh, more of a passer, more of a guy to facilitate. Even though he's obviously scored a ton of points. And Michael was more the killer, the guy who, you know, late game closer, the, you know, the footwork, the, the mid range shots, you know, coming in an era where you could really be physical. He got any shot he wanted. Uh, Post ups, getting to the rim, dunking on people, anything he wanted. So um, I, the better comparison for Michael to me has always been Kobe. I think they, their games shared a lot more similarities than, than LeBron's. How many Wennington Pachulia comparisons were you forced to make in your time? Just one, and it came from you the first time I met you. I think that was your question for me. Nice. Yeah, and I remember you didn't like either of them. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I don't remember answering the question that way, but uh, selective memory for you, Rick. Did you play with Luke Longley? And if so, does that help you communicate with Andrew Bogut because you yes. speak fluent Australian? Yes. Yes, it definitely helps. Uh, Longley was my uh, good friend and teammate for about four years, and uh, my favorite Luke Longley moment was he'd been out with injury for a month or so, and he came off the floor, first came back. He's pretty rusty, you know, big seven-footer, 275-pound mountain of a man. I said, how'd you feel out there, Luke? And he says in his Aussie accent, mate, I'm swimming with seals out there. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. I always think of Luke Longley when I see the the poor big guy coming back off of injury and the game's just moving a million miles an hour for him. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. LeBron's in a weird spot right now because he's going to continue to move up the list in all of these milestones and all of these marks. He's going to end up playing for another couple of years, and when all said and done, this huge body of work is going to stand above Michael in many of these very significant categories. In fact, probably every significant category except for one, the championships. And yet, as he does this, he might be toiling away on a team that never has a chance at really competing for a championship, which would be kind of a disappointing and sad end to LeBron's amazing career. In D.C., an NFL trade as the Denver Broncos ship quarterback Case Keenum to Washington. Now, this deal certainly looks like a big deal because it's a starting quarterback, but really isn't when you consider what is involved in the trade. Washington sent a sixth-round draft pick to Denver, and got a seventh-rounder in return. That's how little it takes to bring back a guy like Case Keenum. So is Washington any better with a guy that got bumped out of his starting quarterback job for the Broncos? I mean, Washington already had Colt McCoy on the roster and waiting to see what Alex Smith's health looks like in 2019. Here's 106.7 The Fan in D.C. Grant and Danny weigh in. They, the Redskins, did whatever they could. They will always do whatever they can to not slide. This is a, the boulders starting to roll down the mountain a little bit because the Alex Smith injury. What can we do to stop it? Let's go get a veteran who's not particularly good, who's also not terrible, and and just not bottom out. They That's, ran back to Walmart to get more duct tape. It's their, it's their number one concern is to not bottom out. And all the forces are pushing them towards bottoming out. The the aging roster, the Alex Smith injury, the penalty, et cetera. So they they got a chance to be seven and nine again. They got a chance to be in that eight and eight bucket. And if something breaks right, maybe eke out nine and seven. If the Cowboys aren't as good as we think, and if Philadelphia falls apart, maybe they can do one of those. We can win the division, kind of, but not really be a threat. To me, the point is to be great, and they're not closer to that today. That part of this does not even bother me nearly as much because it's what I expected to be the sure. case, particularly this offseason when you've got an entire coaching staff coaching for its jobs mm-hmm. this year. You know, with a lot of families that don't want to be uprooted. It's easy for you and I to sit here and tell the Redskins they need to go four and twelve this year for their own good. It just never happened. Good luck telling yeah. Jay Gruden that or the front office executives like Kyle Smith and Eric Schaefer who are trying to prove themselves capable and worthy of not only their jobs but general manager jobs in the future. There's no reason for them to, to want to gun for that when they know that there's a culture created where they're not allowed to lose as a means to an end and build properly. They've got to squeeze out every drop and, and try to get to 8-8 eight and eight because that's the mandate from Dan Snyder who does a bad job running this thing and Bruce Allen who is not a good team president. That having been said, here is my annoyance with this. This trade is fine. Case Keenum is fine. I don't have a big issue with this at all. You gave up nothing. I don't really understand why they were desperate to do it. I don't particularly love it, but it's a fine trade. There's nothing wrong with it. Here is where it will, though, become something that annoyed me. If this precludes you from trying to get Josh Rosen, 
if this is the beginning of the end of the offseason at quarterback. I texted with several people in the organization, some very high-ranking, last night. And to a man they all told me, everyone that responded, said, this is about competition. And basically, the word that you know, you'll, you'll hear thrown around a bunch with people talking to folks in the building is, this is insurance. Mm-hmm. This is a option in the event that you go into the season without having had the luxury of getting one of the quarterbacks you liked in the draft or pulling off a trade for Josh Rosen. Because we saw what happens last year when Colt McCoy is your starter. He isn't for long. And next thing you know, you're signing random dudes like Mark Sanchez and Josh Johnson off the street. They didn't want to be in that predicament again. Yeah, you could want five options. These four quarterbacks that we all think of as first-rounders, top half of the first round, and Josh Rosen, and end up with none of them. Yep. That's very reasonable, by the way. You could be in on the bidding on all of those guys, whether it's draft capital, trading for Rosen. Someone could just beat you to it because they're in a better spot than in you In fact, are. it's more likely than not Yeah, absolutely. that you miss out on all five of those guys. So knowing that the Redskins said, well, we have a chance to get Case Keenum and to at least, he's serving as our safety net, provide a floor that we don't currently have. The answer is no. No, they didn't get better. Case Keenum is a below-average NFL quarterback. You know who else is? Colt McCoy. So why you bring in a new QB to compete with McCoy doesn't make you better. And also, let's face it, Washington is in never-ending purgatory because they never have a good young quarterback that lasts. Last thing that we saw was RG3 and then Kirk Cousins. But nothing has ever been a permanent solution in Washington And so, once again, the musical chairs continue with a flawed roster, a flawed coaching staff, and a front office that has delusional expectations of what success actually should be defined as. Elsewhere in the NFC East, how about David Irving? Defensive tackle for the Dallas Cowboys going full nuke mode here. He is suspended again by the NFL for substance abuse and takes to Instagram Live. Oh, no, no. David, don't don't do this. You don't want to do this. He sets up his phone. He starts recording. He does this live, and he's smoking as well. Oh no, this is this is a bad. Di- and then David Irving says, "Quote: I quit." Oh well, now you've done it. Here is Sean and RJ on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. So, like I said, it ain't about smoking weed. How many NBA players you see getting in trouble about this? How many coaches you see getting in trouble about this? How many baseball players getting in trouble? How many UFC players getting in trouble? How many actors? Good question. Good question. Yeah. But it you don't play in the NBA. <laughs> you don't play Major League Baseball. There are also a bunch of NFL players who smoke weed, a ton of them who Don't have not been caught. We know a few. We've hung out with a few who don't get caught. Mm-hmm. You just got to know when you're getting tested and when you're not. It's if, really not that difficult. Jarwin! <laughs> not Blake no, Jarwin. I don't think Blake Jarwin was, but maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to accuse anyone of anything. Um, but, yeah, the, da- David thinks that he's being some type of pioneer here. And, and that's fine. If you if it's more important for you to take the stand and play football, I'm not going to tell you to play football. It's your own motivation. It's your own salary. It's your own livelihood. It's your own family that you have to support, your own happiness. Mm-hmm. So that's all fine, well, and good. But if you had any thoughts of playing 
in the National Football League again. I'm not going to say they're totally gone because the weed policy is getting switched in the next CBA. Okay, he probably didn't want to wait that long in order to have mm-hmm. it flip over. Yeah. And maybe David Irving will be employed again once they switch it over. But until then, you've torpedoed any chance of that happening. I mean, that's that's three years away. Yeah. He's going to wait? He's done. He's going to come back in the league after being sitting out three years? <laughs> what, what world does that happen in? Yeah. You know, it's crazy. This is... He is trying to be this, like you said, this martyr, this pioneer, and that's great. Wonder, do whatever you got to do. I have never, in my 39 years and, and 39 and a half years almost on this planet, never heard of a guy leaving a job, a salaried position. I'm not talking about working at the El Phoenix here, <laughs> all right, which, by the way, I only said because they didn't hire me. Uh, I'm not talking about doing that. a salaried position. An NFL athlete saying, you know what? I'd rather give it all up so I could smoke weed. I've never heard that. Nobody. That that is the first time someone's ever said that. (laughs) No one's ever said that in the history of life. Warren Sharp tweeted this. The last two years, 25-year-old. Think about that. 25-year-old David Irving averaged one sack every 1.25 1.25 games, third best in the NFL. The only players better than David Irving when it came to sacks averaged, Aaron Donald and Chandler Jones. Are you kidding me? You talk about production per game, production um, per snap. Like David Irving had it all in front of him, and now he's being made fun of by some. There's a lot of support out there as well. Oh, that's a great idea, Dave. Really great idea. Just let the whole world see you smoking weed and saying that you quit, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of NFL jobs lined up after this. Oh, no, wait, you quit the NFL, so I'm sure there's going to be plenty of other things in life that you can do that'll make you that type of money. I mean, who is advising David Irving? Next up, AAF or XFL, and that's David, if you're lucky. By the way, Guys in the AAF make $75,000 a year. You might have wanted to think about that before this Instagram live video, Dave. And we will wrap up with college hoops. In fact, it's kind of a college hoops and NBA crossover. John Rothstein is one of the best college basketball insiders in the nation working for CBS Sports. And he joined Joe and Evan on WFAN in New York. Now, of course, we're coming into some conference tournaments this weekend, more of the major conference tournaments next week, and then after that, it's full-on NCAA tournament time. But we're also heading into NBA playoff season, so what does a college basketball insider do when the March Madness is over and the April Madness and May Madness and June Madness is in swing? Let's listen in. By the way, I know that you don't watch the NBA, so I'm here to give you an update. D'Angelo Russell turned out to be pretty good, John. Not bad. He's not bad. He was an all-star like this year. Yes. I, I sometimes, for full disclosure, I watch the NBA socially when the playoffs are on. After socially. Socially. Does that yeah. mean like you're on a date? Like your date is, okay, let's go. We're going to have a date. You're coming over to my place, and we're going to watch the uh, you know game two of the first round of the playoffs. 
No, I wouldn't say like that. No. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you said well, I mean, socially. When, 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 you, when you're out with people and it's on, you know, you kind of pick yourself back I, up. I understand. Well, I'd, I'd also assume that I know you love college basketball a million times more than the NBA. I wouldn't suggest that for a first date unless, like, no. the lady is, like, a graduate of the school that's, you know, no, I can't even say that. We're talking about the NBA. So, they, that just threw that. I flew that. Well, she likes basketball. That flew Simple out the window. That. She loves the NBA. There's I guess. a lot of women that do. That, so, that, that would make sense. sense. Yeah, the girl, the girl I'm dating right now asked me the other day. She said, Explain to me the difference between a mid major and a high major. So that's where I'm at right now when it comes to I grasping, obviously. But you know like that, right? That's a positive. Yeah, you right. like that. It's a good thing, right? It's a good thing. Yeah. You just have to be willing to accept the marathon that's going to go on from now until April 9th. They obviously don't have to know everything, but you got to embrace the grind because the best four or five weeks of the year are upon us. You want to know why, John? Because this is March. Right. This even, is though this March. even though now, like, it's more and more into April. I mean, Selection Sunday is St. Patrick's Day. What is that? Well, that should be like the that. second round of the tournament already. Well, well, and not only that, Joe, the season started November 6th, so this season has been longer than any other college basketball season I can remember. And so you the, love it. You love that. So the love finals, it, the, the, I didn't even realize that. I guess it is because I'm, I'm thinking now because baseball starts early. Usually, like opening weekend of baseball is usually the final four. Yeah. Usually. It's a week later. No, right I, now mean, it's, it's, no I know the that. National, the national title game is April 8th. I mean, so you put That's out your top 25. For next season on April 9th, you adjust accordingly <laughs> after the NBA draft decisions, and away we go. Wow. John, we will talk to you plenty of mo- yeah, plenty more like, times. Wow. We're going to see you, like, you know, more than our wives here for a while, John. <laughs> That's right. Every, every, every Monday and Friday, baby. There you go. Can't wait. Oh, baby. Thank you, John. See you, John. So there you have it. John Rothstein watching the NBA socially. I'm just glad we have clarity on what the off time and what the weekends and what the weeknights look like for Mr. John Rothstein, one of the best college basketball insiders in the business when he's forced to watch NBA playoffs in social circles. That's going to do it for us here on the Best of Your Sports Talk for Around the Dial on March the 8th, 2019. We'll see you on Monday, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.